This is Fathering, Episode 6 with Christian Graham. Christian, it's awesome to have you on the podcast today. Uh, You know, this is a podcast about Christian dads and your dad named Christian, so I figured that's good enough, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's, it is great to be here. Great to see you again. Been a while. Yeah. Been a while. It's been a really long time. Yep. So I was part of a, a youth ministry called Young Life, and uh, I've, I've, I think I've mentioned that in other episodes. But um, but you ran a, a youth ministry through a church while I was in high school, and everyone would always say, "Oh yeah, Christian Graham's youth group is awesome." <laughs> <laughs> when did you start doing that? Oh boy. Well, I, I started out, um, I'm going to date myself here, I, the first time I, I did a youth group was in 1976. Whoa. And yeah. Star and, Wars wasn't even out yet. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually, it was Young Life. And so I, I ran a middle school Young Life. I don't, I don't know. It was one of the first in the country, I think. Wow. Um, but, so I was a senior in high school and worked with Young Life. And uh, then in college, um, I did Young Life, a high school Young Life in, in Tennessee, Hmm. And um, and then I was my parents were running a youth group at our church. Uh, we didn't have youth pastors back then, but we had a large youth group. And so I was in college. I, I helped run the middle school ministry, and then I, I've been involved in, in youth ministry as a volunteer ever since then. And then uh, I think I think I've been full time twenty one years. I think wow. that's right. I, I think that's right. Well, from you know, I, I worked at a church for a period of time, and one thing I know is that youth pastors kind of come in and out. Yeah, they come and go, but yeah. someone who's who's stuck at it for a long time yeah. is pretty rare. Yeah, I, I think the average ministry life of a youth pastor is under two years. I think I believe that's correct. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think I was fortunate to to go full time when I was older, which most guys don't. I was, you know, forty years old or forty one years old hmm. when I started full time as a youth pastor. So I knew some of the things not to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I really didn't know some things to do, but I did know more things not to do. Yeah, which which helped me survive twenty some years. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. Like people would say, like, "Oh man, Christian Graham's youth group is awesome," and I don't know. I was fifteen years ago. How old were you? Well, I'm sixty three now. So <laughs> you'd have to do the math. <laughs> See, like you were in your you were in your forties. How many high school kids are like passionate about? <laughs> Oh yeah, we got to go do this thing. It, it just blows my mind. It's it's testament to uh, the way you do things, the way you interact with people, and high schoolers enjoy spending time with you and and learning from you. And so I thought you would be a perfect guest oh, to, to ask. And so you have three kids. Yep. Uh, how old are they now? My daughter is thirty three, and my son is thirty one, and my youngest daughter is seventeen. That's a gap. A little gap, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're a grandfather too, right? I am. I have uh, five grandkids and uh, one on the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they're the best. So you were doing youth ministry long before you had kids. Do you think that your your experience I- in doing that like really helped you uh, as your kids were growing up? You know, it was. It's interesting because again, I, I grew up in my parents and uh, another good good friends were running our youth group. So I, you know, started out doing what they did, because uh, I, I enjoyed it so much, and I learned a lot from Young Life. 
Um, as, as a matter of fact, the uh, other youth pastor friends all tell me my young life, my youth group is run more like young life than anybody else's. <laughs> it's probably true. Um, but one of the things I've done is, you know, I, I'm obviously very much passionate about my own kids. And by seeing where they are in life and what they need and what's going on has really guided a lot of what I do at youth group. Mm. And I think it's given me a, a different perspective instead of just trying to read a program or do something, I go, oh, my kids need this, or my kids don't need this, or whatever. And so it really helped, I think it really helped me. It was, I guess, somewhat selfish. It's my kids, I want what's good for them. But but it also, I believe that it it did help me develop what I felt like my kids kids needed personally, which expanded into my youth group kids. If that makes sense. Yeah. What did your what did what were some things that your kids needed? Well, when I first was handed the job <laughs> at the church, I, I didn't really know what exactly to do. I knew what we'd done in the past somewhat, but I didn't know. I wanted to be able to say no to good things, and be able to say we need to do this. And it took me a while to actually to boil all that down. And I remember having after about five years, I had this library of books, and I distinctly remember one time going through and saying. That's garbage. That's garbage. And I put all these <laughs> and I put all these books out because I was trying to figure out things. And I remember putting them all in a box. And I'm like, who can I give these to? And then I was like, oh, these are garbage. And I took them to the dumpster behind the church. Wow. And I, I probably threw away sixty percent of my books. Literally threw them away. And uh, but what I try to do, what I want my students, my kids, but my students to see is to, to live is to have Christian community and what that means. And I, so I cr- try to create. Um, Christian community for my students. I want them to learn it in middle school, start to learn what that is. By the time they're in high school, I want them to know really what that means and how to do that and really be doing that so that by the time they're in college, technically they can do it on their own. They don't need me. Yeah. Um, So that's what I strive for. And that's really my big overarching thing so that sometimes I can say no. Or if you ask me why I'm doing any any event, any study, any anything, um, I can answer it. Um, and say it's and it comes all comes out of the idea of what Christian community is, and um, and then I kind of try to lay out what that looked like as well. Yeah. So what's a, what's like a first step in like in a a middle schoolers? I mean that's I mean big big change years. I distinctly remember halfway through my seventh grade year, I went from the kid who collected trading cards to all right, I'm a drummer now. My identity is different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've always had a problem with formula Christianity, mm. and uh, a lot of it has to do with my personality, but part of it has to do with my my beliefs. And but there is a book that really, man, it was almost like a formula, and it was <laughs> it was really good, and and it really helped me kind of shape that, and I use it to this day. Mm. And that was the purpose driven life, the purpose driven youth ministry, and mm. all that. And he lays out really five things. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism, and service. And I'm not sure if he's using the exact words he used, but so I really hammer that into my middle school students that as Christians and, and where it comes out of, where it comes out of the gospel and so forth, where all those things come out of the gospel. And I really try to hammer that into my middle school students uh, to the point where you know, we're repeating it every week, all five of those things as we mm-hmm. go through them. And uh, with middle school students, you, you really you're very repetitive. I, I try to be very repetitive. I'm trying to do building blocks, hmm. um, you know. And then by the time we're in, and they they start to live out some of those things. We try to live out all of those things in middle school. And in high school, we really try to get in on those things and 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 
see where they where they're all related, but where they one of them causes this, which causes this mm-hmm. because of the gospel, you you know, and so forth. It makes me think that in middle school and high school years, that those are the that's when your kids stop playing in the living room and they're like, all right, I'm gonna go do my own thing. I mean, I don't have teenagers or middle schoolers, but I feel like that's something that that parents would have to. This is the time to be passive, but you're being very intentional with that age group. Yeah, you know the, and I want my personal kids to understand that my my own kids understand this very well that God didn't make you to be by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that you really need community. You you should be affected by the gospel. Should be making you do certain things. It shouldn't just be something that you hold. And if it is, then you maybe you don't have it right, or maybe you don't get mm-hmm. it. A common thing is, oh, my, my faith is between me and God. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but, it, but it's more than that. One of the conversations that youth pastors have a lot and is that, you know, wh- why do kids leave the faith? You know, when, when, they, when they go into college or when they get out of college or when they're on their own and, and what happens. And, of course, you know, one of the things people say is that they haven't made it their own, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I believe. Um, and, you know, the other thing is somebody pointed this out to me just a couple of years ago, and uh, I was like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> but it was that they haven't fallen in love with Jesus. They've fallen in love with what Jesus can do for them, which is beautiful, wonderful, amazing, yeah. life-changing thing. But they haven't fallen in love with the person of Jesus. And um, when they fall in love with actually humanity, the person, Jesus himself, uh, if you do that, if you see that, then two things happen, I think. One thing is that you go, that you fall in love with him. And you're like, wow, that's like a, that's a beautiful human. Hmm. And the other thing is you go, I want to be like that. So I, th- I think that that's something that I, 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 I think by the grace of God, it was, you know, fostered in my older kids. But that's something I'm much more intentional, intentional with with my daughter who's still at home. Yeah. So, wow! It, it's, I know I'm talking. You're asking me questions about youth group, and I'm talking about both. But but they are it, to me. It's it's a hundred percent connection. Yeah. Um, that because I really do do with my students what I do with my own kids, and I let my and sometimes again, like I said, the emphasis that I see and my kids need that I bring to to youth group. So and I, and I enjoy my youth group kids. I mean, I love my youth group kids. I have such a good time with my youth group kids. Yeah, you. So. I'll see things on Facebook. It's almost like your youth group kids are the neighborhood kids that you bring in. Like you're, you're doing Bible studies in your living room and yeah, your family seems to kind of mesh in with youth group as well. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I've been describing you to people when I, when I, I've been telling people that you're on, you're going to be on this podcast that you're a, I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of person. <laughs> and uh, you just, <laughs> there's always, you're always in a different country you do youth ministry long after normal people quit youth ministry and you're, you're doing things left and right. And how, how do you make time for your kids in, in the midst of a, of a crazy, busy, filled schedule? To my personal kids? Yeah. Well, of course, two of them are out of the house now. Well, how did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say this first. When I turned uh, probably about 50, I realized that I was nuts and how crazy I was. And I, I never realized it before, and, and, and I do have way too many intense interests. Um, you were the photographer at my wedding, too. I, that's right. You do wedding photography. Yeah, I know. 
I, you know, I roast my own coffee. You know, I built my house in the trees in the woods. I've been to El Salvador forever and ever. So when I get something that's really intense, when I turned 50, I realized, I didn't realize that before, but now what I do is I, there are certain things I do not allow myself to do hmm. because I could down that rabbit hole all the way. <laughs> I really do. So, you know, I mean, I've got bonsai trees. Who does bonsai trees? I mean. I've, I've been thinking about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> And, and actually, it's funny thing was this, is uh, my wife, I remember when my wife saying to me about that time, and she felt bad because she's, she's very active and she's, she's really into sports. I'm not really into sports. I'd rather take your picture. But she's a really big coach and all that kind of stuff. So she's pretty active too. But uh, she said to me one day, she goes, well, I feel like I'll hold you back. And she felt bad. Hmm. And I said, you do. And I said, that's your job. <laughs> I said, I I would be absolutely nuts if I didn't have somebody that I had to say no to some things for mm. and that I think that God used you in a way that because I would just be utterly crazy. So, But that being said, so here's what I do. You asked me how do I have time for my kids. In youth group, one of the things I do is, is I because I'm, I'm doing middle school, high school, and college, college and then I'm doing mission stuff, and it's a lot. But... Um, a lot of times I'm doing things, taking them places and doing things, <laughs> kind of selfish, but that I like to do. So, like, I like to go camp and I like to hike. I like to do all those kind of things. And so I bring, and my students have always liked everything I've taken them to and done. Um, but I am doing things that I like. And then my kids are coming along. So my kids are, um, um, you know, obviously they're involved in my youth group, but they also, um, as they grew older, they became leaders. So... I have my high school students help lead middle school students because I want them to be part of the body still. I want them to be useful and to see that they are really needed in the body. So mm. my uh, my daughter was an intern. My son was an intern. Um, and then when they're in college, then they help me with the high school students. And then when I go on missions trips, they are my leaders because they, they know how I do things and why. And so we're, you know, pretty involved with each other, you know, and involved a lot of times in ministry together constantly. My younger daughter uh, is a senior in high school, and I don't have her as often, probably because she's a senior and because COVID and all that kind of stuff, but she is the best <laughs> at taking my, what I would call my fringe kids, my kids that aren't as you know, athletic or, or as sporty or as popular, and she's just so good at, at loving the different kids, so good at it, that I need that in my youth group. You, you have to know that that's rare. Yeah, and, and that's why I recognize it in her. Mm. And, and, I, and, you know, I get it, every now and then I get a student who's just, that's such a, and, and in my youth group my size, I can't always have the attention myself on all those people, but to have somebody like my daughter, mm. or I have another student, he's now out of the ministry, but uh, Gabe was so good at that, and mm. you do need that. I mean, he's, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I and I'm I meant what you just said, but like both all of your all of your kids being willing to be a part of something, you know, like we were sort of talking about earlier, like middle school and high school kids start to kind of diverge and oh, I want nothing to do with what my parents are doing. I've gone on the camping trips and now I want to do my own thing yeah. with my own friends and and that doesn't happen. Well, here's something that's really I, I've thought a lot about a lot about this. I think that my children have been pretty easy. I think that God has given me easy kids. So <laughs> so I have a, the emotional energy left over 
mm. for others. I don't think it's all because of me. I don't think it's all because of, I think that God literally has given me easy kids because uh, it gives me emotional energy left over for, you know, st- other students that I meet with quite mm. a bit. I, I mean, my daughter is a youth pastor in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and in a large inter, uh, inner city church, um, interracial church, really cool church. Uh, my son basically works with youth in Bogota, and then they take care of missionary kids around the world. Hmm. And so they're they're both in youth ministry. I mean, gosh, that's a proud moment for Papa. But yeah. um, you know, God gave me really easy kids. And um, I talked to my daughter. Um, she's thirty three. I talked to her every day on the phone, just Aww. about rare occasion. Every now and then, I don't get to. And we talk about her son and and family things. But usually, we're talking about youth ministry. And and uh, a lot of times I'm asking her for advice or saying I have this. A lot of times she's asking me everything from, you know, what study should I do? How do I handle this kid to what game should I do? And my son, the same thing. Uh, so my, I was on the phone with my son driving up here, almost the whole way driving up here. Now, I talk to my son only a couple times a week, but usually it's a lot longer. I talked to him for an hour, hour and a half. And uh, we, we were talking about um, youth ministry for – almost an hour driving up here. <laughs> and and I'm actually, a lot of times, I'm going to my son for advice. Um, he'll If he listens to this podcast, he'll hear this for the first time, maybe. <laughs> uh, m- my son is really sharp, and he's really bright, and he's got a higher IQ than I do. And I don't think I've ever told him that. I didn't think he should know that before. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he has a lot of insight in things that um, are really pretty profound sometimes. You would think I'm 63 years old. I've I've been doing it all, but no, I don't, and I don't mm. have it all. And so it's been—it's wonderful. It's a great, great thing. I, I mean, I. So I think I have an easy daughter. I have—I have a couple. Uh, I'm surrounded by people with infants at this point in my life, and you know, I, I believe that. I mean, there are yeah. there are kids with temperaments that just work with your family dynamic, but like, I refuse to believe that it was just your kids or easy kids. Like, there had to be routines there had to be things i mean you're talking they're out of the house and you're talking to them roughly every day yeah that's that's something right there well it, it probably came from um some of it came from my family my parents and so forth i mean i had wonderful parents actually so i i have nine brothers and sisters there's 10 of us whoa and there's a hundred and my family <laughs> we're all get together we were trying to figure this out my younger sister's supposed to keep count of everybody, and everybody gets a number. But if my <laughs> if my brothers and sisters were to get together with their family, I think there's 168 of us. I oh think. my word! And I think and there's like four or five on the way. So my parents, uh, we grew up on a farm. Uh, my dad taught at the Naval Academy, had a PhD in physics, but both my parents grew up deep in the hills of West Virginia, and so we still had the West Virginia in us, I guess. But my parents never argued. Never had an argument in their marriage. The only time I heard them come close is they were arguing who's going to wash the dishes. My dad wanted to wash them because my mom had been home all day with the kids. My mom wanted to wash them because my dad had been uh, working all day. And I think the kids ended up washing the dishes. But um, they never argued. And my dad died young. He was 53. Mm. But uh, when my mom and dad, my dad would come home, the two of them would get in the hall and hug and kiss. And we'd all like stop. You know, and so they were very close, and they never argued. And um, my dad was one of the early elders at Napa CP Church, and taught you know, Sunday school classes, and had ran the youth group. And uh, he, and so just having that influence probably trickled down to my kids. It's funny, my son in middle school had to write a paper about somebody who greatly influenced him, 
and he wrote his paper about my dad. He never met my dad. My dad died before he was, before I was, well, right when I got married. Wow. So I th- probably came from that somewhat too. Christian family and, and it being passed down and, and having, and learning how to raise your kids from your parents without a book and everything, you know, I guess had something to do with it, but that was God again. And did I catch that your parents were arg- arg- quote unquote arguing about who wanted to do the dishes? Correct. Your dad was mad that he couldn't do the dishes? Well, he didn't want, he wanted her to sit and rest, yes, and she wanted him to sit and rest. And I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't really say it was an argument, but it was uh, the closest I saw them to an argument. And, and they would tell you that even privately they didn't have arguments, which... That's just a level of service that I, I, I can barely even grasp. My wife and I joke about if we're ever going to get a, a like a Christmas present for ourselves, we're going to hire a maid for a month. <laughs> like, yeah. we're just going to have like we're not going to go on a vacation. We're going to get somebody to do the dishes <laughs> for yeah. us because that's just I've never heard of someone pushing so that they could do the dishes. Yeah, uh, and you just made me think of something in, in youth ministry that that I've done. I learned from oh goodness, my roommate in college, Randy Beach. Um, and he was a crazy man in college. I, I went to a Christian college, and uh, he had a, the longest hair of anybody in college, I think. And, and uh, we, we only had 520 students in school, and he and I hitchhiked to the Keys for, for spring break, and I made him stand behind me so we would actually get a ride. And Where were you starting? What was uh, the state? Chattanooga, Chattanooga, oh, okay. Tennessee. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a ways. Yeah, so it's amazing when you see what God does in our lives, but also in, in other people's lives. He was one of these guys that, you didn't know if he end up what he would end up doing, and he um, he ended up becoming, a, I think, an undercover ATF agent. But he ended up being a big speaker for youth groups and a, and a big elder for youth groups in his church. And he speaks at this camp in in North Carolina, and a lot of people have been greatly influenced by him. And I hadn't seen him for years, and he and I talked, and he talked about running his youth group. And one of the things he said he did was that he would never allow his students to clean up or pick up after youth group or at the end of youth group. He never asked him to, because he wanted to serve them. Hmm. And he wanted that them seeing that to turn into them wanting to serve others. So what's the difference between you know serving and then, there are a lot of parents who don't make their, you know, who, who clean up for after their kids, and then it turns into a, a spoiled, like yeah. what's the difference between serving and spoiling your kids? You know, I, I, I think being your own personal kids, there is a different line to draw probably. I mean, with my youth group, I try to take on Randy's picture there, and, and I, wouldn't, I don't let my kids clean up at the youth group. I try not to. Now, I hate to say it, now that I've gotten older, <laughs> sometimes I can't stand up. At the, I've had kids had to, and the youth kids, they've actually had to pick me up off the floor because my back's gone out, and they've put me oh. in a wheelchair, and I've done youth group from a wheelchair, and then I can't do stuff. So they will... Now students, I, I, out of necessity, but they see me. They still see me serve. Like if it's just plates and and, yeah. and cups around, I don't let them do it to this day. Mm. Now it's funny because as my my I treat my younger daughter different than I did my my older kids. Mm. There's certain things that I wish I'd done differently with my older kids. One of the things is that I wish I'd done differently. So I wish I hadn't demanded as often as I did that the room was clean. Hmm. Why is that? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, in one sense. I mean, yes, I want them to learn that it's an important thing to do in life and that you got to have. Uh, uh, again, it's another youth pastor that I learned this from, a guy who's doing college ministry. And he, I remember him saying that he had parents come to him 
you know, we, we as youth pastors, parents come to you, they want you to fix their kids, <laughs> and you have to let them know that's not, you can't do that. But I remember him saying distinctly, he said that he had a parent came to him because his kid, his son was so messy, he was in college, and they, he would always leave his room in such a wreck, and that the parent wanted to know what to do, and his response was, shut the door. And his point was that our actions come from our heart, and we're maybe worrying about the wrong thing. Hmm. And that we should learn, we, we should worry about what, what the heart motivation of our kids and what's going on. So that's kind of, I, I wish I'd been more sensitive to that part about my kids. I, I was sensitive to that, but not to the point that maybe I should have been. So with my younger hmm. daughter, she's an artist. All she wants to do is paint all day. She wants to draw <laughs> and paint. That's all she wants to do. And um, some people would be appalled if they went to a room and saw what I let her do. Her cover, her blankets had paint on them. Her carpet has paint on it. Her clothes have paint on it. Um, and uh, I was like, well, and when she moves out of the house, I'll change the carpets. I'll change the blankets. <laughs> but it's not coming from a bad heart. It's not coming from an undisciplined heart. <laughs> it's coming from a. It comes from a passion that that's really all she wants to do. Not all she wants to do. She wants sure. to play. She wants to play volleyball too. But <laughs> she, yeah, that's. And my younger kids, I wouldn't have allowed that. I, I wish I had allowed more of that. Mm. So by the grace of God, it didn't ruin them. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny you say the word grace because it's just like yeah. that's you're, you're modeling that things don't always have to be perfect. Well, it's, it's so much. It's more than that. It's that they don't have to be the way I want them to be. Mm. I know they're not going to be perfect, but they also don't have to be the way I want them to be. If mm. that makes sense. I well as a as a drummer who has a tiny drum kit that he hopes his daughter <laughs> plays one day I I know I haven't let go of I have this path for her life yeah. <laughs> that I have to let go of I yeah. guess Yeah I did learn with I did say such a long time between them um, I mean my older kids really my son and I like all the same things I mean we're very different in some ways uh, he reads a lot more than I do. I can't. I have a hard time sitting and reading through a book. I can't sit still that long. My son can. Well, he's got a higher IQ than you. He does. So. He does. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, that the church was always wanting me to write articles for the church uh, newsletter or whatever, and I, for me to write is like, I mean, it's terrible. Um, and uh, I would give the ideal to my son in the Bible verse or whatever it was, and he was in middle school, and I would hand it to him and he would write it for me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking, and that I could edit it, you know, and say, "Well, you didn't, whatever." Or make him rewrite certain things. And uh, after a while, I finally told the church. I said, "Look, guys, I'm an elbow. You're asking me to be a toe. I'm. I'm, I'm not a toe. I'm not doing this mm. anymore." And um, to this day, I still do. It. My son will rewrite. Now, I will edit actually his newsletters. I can say I can see stuff, but I. But I'm not a good writer. Huh. So, yeah, I can't help but think that. There's a dad out there who's like, my kid doesn't do the things that I do. My kid doesn't want to go to church with me or youth group. But. Well, let, let me, I'll, I'll tell you, this, I forgot to finish my, my thought. Oh, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was, was my exact thought. So, and my daughter's a lot like me. She likes the same things I do, although she likes some music I don't like. My son and I like kind of out there music. My daughter likes more pop music. And I'm like, eh. But... Um, <laughs> So my youngest daughter, who's still at home, she likes the music I like, and that's about it. She doesn't like to do the things I like to do. 
and um, she doesn't have the same. I mean, I I don't I like being around tons and tons of people. I mean, you got the more people that the happier I am. <laughs> I love going to um, concerts where there's just thousands of people, and I want to be right up at the stage and all that. My younger daughter does not like that. She loves concerts, but she doesn't like to be around tons and tons of people. And so some of my youth group events, um, she's not comfortable being around there. Hmm. She's much more reserved, much quieter, and and um, and so there's a lot of things like that that I really want to do that. That I like to do that she just doesn't want to be a part of, and uh, I'm, it's a good thing she came on later because I probably would have insisted earlier. Hmm. But now I say oh, that's fine. That's not who you are. And I, actually, I learned that, that by watching a lot of my youth group kids and saying, you know, <laughs> I had one girl that used to come to youth group and she wouldn't say a word to me. She'd come to my house, she'd take a right hand turn and go to the sofa in the far corner and she'd sit there and she would draw, and she. Sometimes she wouldn't say anything to anybody. Um, and uh, we would have sometimes 50 kids in a room. And she'd sit there and draw. And then when we did Bible study, she'd sit there in a the corner. Uh, and uh, I remember people saying, well, what's wrong with her? You know, I was like, nothing's wrong with her. That's just her personality. I learned that early mm-hmm. on. And I let her be her. And she had a great time. And funny thing was, she actually really connected with my daughter. My daughter was really young at the time. The two, she, my daughter would run over and sit with her to watch what she was drawing, and they'd Aww. sit there and draw together. But I learned that early on that, that it didn't have to be. But I, I probably probably was a good thing God gave me to her last because I probably would have insisted her doing things that she was uncomfortable with. You're speaking straight to my heart. I'm I'm such a by-the-books, rules kind of guy. You know, well, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way it's supposed to go. And my daughter started putting she, – she's figured out how to – take her foot while she's eating in the high chair and just figure out how to put it on the table. And I'm just like, that's awesome. Get your foot off the table. Get your foot off the table. Yeah. And, and my wife's just like, really doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> this, this really yeah. doesn't matter, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, do, are there any Bible verses that have, uh, just really helped you along the way or, or life verses? One of the verses that hit me, it's been a number of years ago now, it came out of this this thought where, you know, it says we're free from the law, and then I'd read the New Testament, I'd keep on getting the law. I'd say, well, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Instead, you should do this, this, and this. And and just this wrestling around with that theologically, like, well, we're free from the law. And I'd say, well, you just told me it was free from the law, but you give me the law. And all of a sudden, one day, I don't this is 20, 25, I don't know how long, it was years ago. And I was reading Colossians, and in Colossians it says, you know, you shouldn't be this way, you shouldn't do this, this and but you should do this. But right in the middle, he goes, therefore. <laughs> and he goes, therefore, is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And, uh, boy, for some reason, that just set a big bell off. <laughs> and then it would, later, I read in First um, Peter 2, 9, he says basically the same thing. Although it says it a little better. <laughs> so instead of saying, therefore, it says, but... You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that, this, instead of saying the therefore, it's this easier thing. And, and then I realized before Moses gave them the Ten Commandments, he tells them the same thing. Hmm. And, and I realized well, that's our identity. You know, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And um, 
the thing the thing about it that really resonated with me was that it, it's not that just that God loves us. We know God loves us. You know, you mm-hmm. can love somebody and not like them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, but but you are you are adored by God. You're dearly loved. You're His special people. You're a special treasure, and that actually gives you a, a different access to God, or a different approach to God, or a different approach to God to you than just that. Okay, yeah, He loves everybody. You know, and uh, that now I live out of being different. I've been I've been a different race, a different people. I'm His person, people now. Before I wasn't one of His. Now I'm, I belong to Him, and mm-hmm. that I'm lived differently. And so that's been a huge, and, and that's been a big thing for my students. I teach it to my students a lot that, you know, that you're not just loved, you're dearly loved, and that, that you're this special person for God. You belong, you're a child, you're, you're a son or daughter of the king. We talk about it all the time in youth group, and that, that should be a, a lot of our motivating force. We don't do things, and we don't read our Bible and pray and not do these bad things and do good things to be his people. We do it because we are his people. And so that's uh, been my... One of my biggest things that hangs over my head that I think about a lot. Uh, it's interesting in the in the, the Peter ver- verse two. It said that you may declare his excellencies, and I, I listened to a sermon once about it, which really stuck with me. And that if you read that before that, the more you find Jesus precious, the more you would declare things about him. Hmm. And so that there's a real definite connection there with how precious and how how much you love Jesus. And how much you'll declare his excellencies. Mm-hmm. So, That's there it is. really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was influenced by a number of people after catching that verse myself and realizing there was something there by actually really going out and searching out what other people said about that verse. Mm-hmm. So, That's really cool. There you go. I have loved having you on the podcast. This is, this is absolutely amazing. And, um, I would love it. I'd be honored if you would pray for the dads listening today uh, who, who may be struggling with uh, reaching their kid or, or wondering, you know, how, how do I model Jesus to my kids? Um, yeah, could you pray for us? I would be honored. And thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored that you would have me here. You bet. Okay, let's pray. Dear Father, we do thank you so much that you, uh, that you love us, that you adore us, and that you have shown us what it is to be uh, the perfect human through your son Jesus and we pray that you would be with those dads out there Uh, be with me too as we raise our kids as we try to model you in front of them as we try to um, be the example that you would have us be when we so often fall short we thank you that you that you have our back when we um, don't live up to that like we should but we pray that you'd help us to be great examples for them, that we would be people who would be ready to repent, repent to our even our own kids, that they would see that and that they could model that. And we pray that you would help them to fall in love with you so that they would declare your excellencies. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me for this episode of Fathering with Christian Graham. If you have any questions for Christian or want more information about him, send them to me. My email is mark at wearethebridge.org. Again, thanks for tuning in to Fathering. And remember, don't just keep your kids alive, but help them thrive. And we'll see you next time on Fathering.